Welcome to Your Music Saved Us, where two friends blast ourselves into the past to relive and recontextualize the alternative Christian music we grew up listening to in the 1990s. Clifton and I'll be your fellow adventurer on this space oddity today. And uh, joining me is um, someone who Jay. How is it going? I, don't, I didn't have anything. Clifton, I'm disappointed. I always expect a good <laughs> intro from you, and that's all I get. All right, all right, all right uh, fine, fine. I'm good though. Yeah. This, you know, I usually try to pull from lyrics, and the lyrics on this one are just weird. Yeah, so. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Joining us also is the host of the Rumors Are True podcast, Jeremy. How's it going? Hey, guys. Thank you so much. I'm really, really honored. So, Jeremy, tell us about your podcast. Well, I started it. Oh, it's a Rumors Are True podcast, obviously. And I started it uh, just over a year ago, I guess September of last year. And it was kind of, uh, obviously, like you guys probably know, it's a passion project. It's really more the geek side of me this uh, you know always just wanting to be involved in music in some way shape or form uh, i used to be a concert promoter in the midwest for about four to five years tour managed a couple bands and managed some bands as well so always just kind of had my foot in the pool of music and i could never play but uh <laughs> i could always be backstage so you know it kind of was one of those things that um, throughout my life, I've just kind of stored all this useless knowledge, if you will, about bands. And I'm sure you guys can relate. It's just, <laughs> you know, the nerdiness of it all. And that's what I love. And I thrive off of it. Yeah. So I started the podcast because I kept telling my wife I wanted to do it. And she said, well, then do it. And <laughs> so I did it. And I'm really blessed. I definitely have had some incredible guests um, over the years, and it's it's only getting better, uh, to be honest with you guys. And I, and that's not a, a brag by any means. It's just I'm really grateful. But yeah, man, I just uh, I'm friends with I would say a good portion of the people. Some of them people obviously I don't know, hmm. but I didn't. I started it as you know being able to talk to people that I know and just have these stories that we've talked about in the past. And then I was like, obviously wanted to branch out a little and you know start to talk to people that I admire and like and. You know, and it's funny because my my uh, podcast name is kind of tongue in cheek. It really is. I don't care about the rumors. It's a total joke, <laughs> to be honest with you guys. I started it. I would say it on Facebook every once in a while. I'd just be like, well, guys, I, the rumors are true. And people would be like, well, what is it? You know, and I'm just like, <laughs> it was a total joke, but it kind of stuck. And my friends always thought it was funny. So kind of went with that name just because it, it, it goes kind of with it. And, you know, again, when, when I'm having the conversations with people, there are questions I ask that we've all wanted to know, you know, and I'm sure you guys have done the same. You know, it's just uh, a matter of, uh, you know, just having that great conversation. I mean, I just really love it. I enjoy it. My, I aim to have people be a fly on the wall. That's kind of my goal and be part of the conversation, if you will, you know, from a distance. And so, again, super blessed, super honored. 
uh, to have a ton of these people come on. And I'm just, yeah, I'm stoked for the future for real. And so you, you obviously do a lot of interviews with um, artists yeah. um, from bands. Um, what kind of bands do you target with your interviews? Well, to be honest with you, I know my bread and butter is the old school Christian alternative, punk rock, hardcore, <laughs> that whole world. I get it. But I've definitely done some episodes. Uh, I did a, an episode with a director from the Jesus Revolution movie, um, <laughs> which was incredible. I just kind of messaged him and he's like, yeah, sure. And I, I don't know. It, we had mutual friends, so it kind of wound up being like, oh, we know the same people, that type of thing. And I've got a couple actors in the queue, um, a oh. couple that I know that, you know, I thought would be cool. I just don't want to do music. I want to do art. I think it's cool in every facet. Mm -hmm. And then, um, yeah, again, and I, there's like got some uh, bands like Mineral. I had Chris from Mineral yeah, on. Yeah, that was a great mm -hmm. interview, by the way. Thank you. He's so cool. He's so kind. And, you know, it's weird because I actually met him a couple years ago when I was on tour with another band. And. I'm like geeking out. Like, right. are you kidding me? <laughs> like Chris and he's like, sends me his phone number and I'm just like, uh, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> it's kind of those things. And then I've got like, uh, I've got the singer from code seven coming up. I've got, um, you know, some, I, I want to sprinkle in not just Christian bands, mm -hmm. but I do know that's the bread and butter. I understand that. But for me, I'm wanting to interview bands that I love personally. And so like, you know, I like to sprinkle a couple of those in and, I had a, the drummer from Yellow Card on recently and, you know, Ooh, just like, yeah. you know, kind of throw those in here and there. But I know, you know, kind of what my 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 end game is just have a good conversation with whoever it is and, you know, whoever it may be. But I definitely love in nostalgia factor, obviously. So, <laughs> yeah, I've I've really enjoyed it. I haven't listened to everyone yet, but like so many I've enjoyed. And there's a lot awesome. of crossover with the stuff we've covered. Like you've done Chris Bowden yeah. from the Mer Babies that we've done on here. Yeah. You had Adam Newbauer, Goatee Hook. That was a great that interview. Was a great he's he's fantastic. Yeah. I, and I'm listening <laughs> to I was telling you, I was listening to the Matt McCarty one right now, Driver Eight, which I we will cover Driver Eight probably very soon because that's yeah. definitely been on our list. But it's like that was a guy that I kind of thought and this is, I think part of this is because it was pre-internet. I kind of thought he just kind of disappeared. I had yeah. no idea he was in Bon Voyage and so many bands after Driver. I mean, part of it, and this was in your interview, part of it's because he just like missed the photo shoot. So, you know, you're looking yep. at the CD cover and you're like, oh, okay, Jason is wife, yep. cool. But like. <laughs> It was that was really fun to just hear all that because he would Driver Eight. I felt like it was one of those bands that so many people loved, and everybody was just like, "What happened?" happened. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then I haven't even listened to the Chris Colbert interview, which like you just put out, which yeah. like you know he helped really work on this album that we're talking yeah. about tonight. So I'm pumped to hear like any stories you have from that. I have a tiny bit of an interview I found somewhere him talking a little bit about this album that I'll share in a little bit, but. uh yeah, man, you you are just you're good at getting all these. You're also I want to give you credit. You're really prolific. Like I feel like you're putting out like maybe one a week now. Is that right? Yeah, it's kind of scary because <laughs> I, that wasn't my intention. My intention was to do like two a month. Yeah, and then I got and I literally got to a point where I had like ten recorded and ready to go, oh, and wow. I was like. Um. So I started. I did a couple times where I released two at once because I was just like, this is. It's kind of like having a present and wanting to give it out. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it's not, mm -hmm. again, about me, but I'm like, this is so good. I need to get it out. So I did that for a little bit. I mean, I've got, I'm trying to do at least have two or three in the can just in case, like I had to go out of town recently for my brother. So I had one ready to go. So it's kind of like, 
and I'm to be honest with you, I'm really blessed with my my day job allows me some time to do that, and that's oh, nice. a good portion of why. I have so many because a lot of people are like, hey, can you do, do daytime? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let me know. And, I, yeah. you know, my wife's been so supportive as well. So, like, right now she's watching Netflix and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to be gone for a couple hours. So, <laughs> you know, that those type of things. So she's, you know, my biggest fan and I'm really, really grateful for her supporting me in this in this endeavor. And, and you know, I, I'm just, uh, man, like I keep saying the word blessed, but I'm really just blessed, honestly. Um, yeah, can't say much more than that. That's great. I got so I got to ask well two related questions. I don't know what order to ask it in. We're, we're going to talk about the prayer how about this? We're going to talk about the prayer chain tonight. And they're one of those bands where a lot of bands we cover there's one or two kind of main people and you know that you kind of follow later on after the band breaks up and do sure. other stuff and interesting and you have no idea what happens to some of them. The prayer chain like all four of those guys are really interesting and all kind of four went on to do interesting things yeah. after the band. So I guess my first question is like, are we going to get an interview with somebody from the prayer chain on the rumors are true at some point? Please. We are. Any, we are. Okay, good. I've yeah, any of them, are. any of them yes. would be great. <laughs> we are. Um, I'm in talks with, uh, I won't name who, but I've been in talks with a couple of them actually. Um, and I actually got to, meet which I, I guess we could tell this later but i i got to meet tim Tabor a couple years ago and we've <laughs> formed kind of a you know pseudo friendship if you will uh you know he likes to text me on occasion and, and vice versa and you know that type of thing so kind of been talking to him a little bit but there's someone else in the band that i'm pretty close to having come on soon so for sure i'm honored and another little side note which again i probably could tell you this later but <laughs> it's okay we can we can say it then too i Worked for so my friends Jonathan and Walter own a, a vinyl factory here called Vinyl Record Pressing, and they pressed um, John Mark McMillan. They've pressed some tooth and nail bands, that type of thing. And I worked for them for a year and a half, two years, something like that. And Tim, his old label Floodgate Records, they were on it. There, uh, Jonathan was on it. He was in a band called Bernard, fantastic band, kind of like uh, Coldplay, Keen, that type of things. Really fantastic songwriting. They wound up being a band called Sun Bears. And um, that's who I met. When I met Tim, I was on tour with Sun Bears. And they were opening for Five Iron Frenzy in oh. Orlando. <laughs> yeah, it was just crazy. And then, ironically, the next day, they played with Jeff Moore in the distance at a church. It was just this weird, like, weekend. <laughs> like, it's, I couldn't make it up. Like, I promise you, it's so real. And it was just, like, the most bizarre weekend. But it was cool. So, anyway, they have a, a vinyl factory that I worked at. And... We were honored, and I was—I should say—I was honored. They repressed Mercury, and I actually physically pressed a good portion of those records. Oh wow! Yeah, That's trust cool. me, that was like—I don't know, man—that was a really nod from the big guy in the sky in a weird way. Like I yeah. loved that record for so long, and to actually physically be part of that production and manufacturing. Although I will say it's extremely boring, just so everyone knows. Pressing records is boring, yeah. but when that watch, said, you can watch videos of it on YouTube. It's pretty boring. Yes, it's extremely <laughs> boring, but there's nothing better than taking it off and looking at it for the first time and just knowing that that's like a piece of history or that's a piece <laughs> of someone's history. And uh, yeah, so I got to be a part of that, and I'm super honored and super stoked to be have been a part of that. It was so cool. And Jonathan and my friend Jared, they were in Bernard. They never got into the prayer chain. It's weird. They never were into them. They're, they're younger than, they're probably 10 years younger than me, maybe okay. seven or eight. So they didn't know. And I'm like geeking out. I'm like, this is like, 
you know, Tim Tabor is a god, like for real, a god. And they're just like, no, it's Tim, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I'm like, I think I sent you a picture earlier, Jade. Like, I'm yeah. like in awe. I don't know if you can see it on my face. I'm just like, Tim Tabor's right next to me. Like, it's anyway. So, yeah, there's those little tidbits that it's always kind of just been a, um, you know, a link to this record in one some way, shape or form for me. Uh, highly influential in my life. So it's like, yeah. Totally. They will be coming on. <laughs> That's a awesome. Okay. My, my follow-up to that in, in broader than just a prayer chain, are, are there any, like who's on your wish list? Like if you could get uh, anybody who's kind of top your wish. Someone list? else asked me this recently. Lou from dear FS has asked me this and he put me on the spot and I was like, <laughs> uh, uh, well, obviously I would love, and I don't think this is going to happen. I would love to have Jason Martin. Who does not want to have Jason Martin? Fair. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but, I mean, I'm all I'm all here for it. Um, Ken Andrews from Failure would love that. Uh, Jeremy Enoch from Sunny yeah. Real Estate. Yeah. Okay. Um, man, I don't even know. Let me think. Oh man, man, there's so many. I hate to say that there's so many, but it's like kind of those. I, I mean, I guess those three for sure. And you know, I I really would like to have um, you know, just any. Sorry, guys. I'm just trying to think, man. I I'm, I'm blanking out right here, but oh. I would love to have somebody from Swerve Driver. Like all these British bands that I've loved mm-hmm. in the past. Um, somebody from Slow Dive, Neil Halstead, that'd be an, you know, just things like that. I'm just like, okay, I feel like they're out of my realm, but like, you know, a boy can dream, right? You know? You never so. know, man. Sometimes this stuff, like you said, you just reached out to the director of the movie Dude, and like, they're like, me. yeah, okay. Tro- uh, there's been some that I reached out to and they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, did not expect that, but. Thank you. You know, for Jay and I have gotten to interview a few a few people for the podcast. Well, I've never reached out to anyone. They've always reached out to us <laughs> sure. first, which has been kind of incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't even know where I would start, though, trying to reach out to somebody. I'd be like, my problem is I would fanboy out too much. Yeah. Probably, yeah. You know, like, like, <laughs> yeah. like when we had the Julies on, it was hard for me. To, oh, I uh, bet. <laughs> Those guys are fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I get it. I think I guess go. It's weird. I get I get into this like um, zone, I guess, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And it's I feel it's, I feel like I'm like it's all business right now. Now there's times where I like have those moments where I geek out, or I maybe inside I'm geeking out. It doesn't come across that way. Definitely yeah. been nervous. I had T.W. Walsh on from Pedro the Line, and I'm like, uh, yeah. like yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, one of those moments, you know, and it's like. You know, I didn't know him, obviously. So that was kind of not awkward, but, you know, it was just I, I think that's probably the hardest thing you guys probably know. It's like you're ha- asking questions to some people you don't know. You don't know how they're going to mm-hmm. take the question or yeah. you don't know how they're going to react or whatever it may be. And um, I don't know. I'm just blessed with the gift of gab sometimes. And I think, uh, <laughs> you know, I guess it's just kind of in my blood somewhat. So I, I'm. I, like I said, a fly on the wall. That's what I'm aiming for. And it's like, yeah, I, I'm really honored. So who has been your biggest fanboy geek out moment so far? Oh, man, <laughs> that's another good question. You know, I would I, I I'm going to pull the band guys and have a look at my list because I don't remember. <laughs> I, 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 I hate to say that. Oh, you know what? To be honest with you, even though like, I don't know if you guys know who John Mark McMillan is. Yeah. 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 So he's pretty prolific songwriter and he I've known him for a little bit but he reached out to me which was like total oh, wow. honor like yeah. yeah I mean the guy's like pretty massive 
big, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's very big. And again, we we known each other. I've worked a couple shows with them, and we have mutual friends and stuff. And I we've talked on that, but that was that was really cool experience for me because I just feel like to me that really kind of almost put my podcast on a, another level in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mark Solomon, good friend yeah, of mine, known cool. him for a long time, but that one is such. I still kind of geek out about it. Like, I don't know if you listened to that one, but the time I met him, I was working a football game. It's this weird long story, but I was working football games for like, uh, I was working an FSU game for ESPN. And my friend Ryan, a mutual friend of Mark and I's, he like would put the crews together of all these old artists. So Eric Collins from Denison Mars is working it. Uh, Mark Solomon's working at Dan Cole from Forever Change. Like we're all just like working this game together, <laughs> and I'm standing there and like Mark. I, I I didn't know Mark was there at the time, and he walks by, and I'm like, "Is that Mark Solomon?" Like, <laughs> kind of one of those moments. And I text, and it's stupid because I knew he was married to Eric's wife's sister, but it just didn't register in my head. And so I text my friend Ryan. Who, Ryan's with Furnace Test. He's one of the the main guys. Okay, I'm like. Is that is Mark Solomon working? And he's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you." And I'm like, "Oh my what? god, yeah. I know!" Like, like royalty here. Like, wh- I mean, and so I, I obviously went up and introduced myself. We became friends. I've talked to him ever since. He's such a sweet guy. So awesome. That you know, even though I knew him, that was really an honor as well. You know, and like it definitely. There's moments in. I feel like there's moments in every episode where I kind of am like, I cannot believe this is happening. Like, you know. So I guess. It, not to take the crappy way out, but I feel like most of them, but I definitely say John Mark, T.W. Walsh for sure was, like I said, he, it was, I was, I was nervous to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and then like I said, Mark Solomon and, and yeah, I mean, there's just been so many fantastic, fantastic, fantastic episodes. And I, I only say that because I'm a fan too, you know, yeah. it's not like, I still am like, this is freaking cool. Like really cool. And I'm so I keep saying it, honored to be part of it. Like, it's just, yeah, I'm blessed. All right, Jeremy, well, let's get more specific here. What album are we talking about today? <laughs> the Prayer Chain, Mercury, a phenomenal record. A price is... It's their final album. Yes, is a masterpiece, in my opinion, for sure. 100%. All right. Jay, is this uh, widely available to listen to? Well, now it is. A few years ago, this was not on mm-hmm. Spotify. You could find it on Bandcamp, but not on Spotify. But thank goodness... Within the last couple of years, somebody, whoever is in charge of all that, put it on there. So it's much more readily available. Yeah, the guys do have a very thorough band camp. And I bought the album on Bandcamp, and it came with a PDF of the entire uh, artwork and everything. So I'm going to endorse going to Bandcamp. And, yeah. and yeah. if you don't have this, go get it. Absolutely. All right, Jay, was this played in your youth group? No. Uh, Would have been cool. <laughs> Definitely not. I have I'm just going to guess this was not played in many youth groups because there's a, and we'll get into this in a minute, but I think the record company was disappointed because there's not mm. really like a, a single really mm. on this. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Is it like, really? I mean. Mercury's a pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't have okay. the banger. I mean, it's they're all bangers, sure. but it's not, right. you know, the yeah. banger. There's no newsboy shine, Catchy. you know, yes. none Correct. of that. Correct. <laughs> All right. Uh, Well, before we dive any deeper, I'm going to ask everyone to visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash YMSU to contribute and get extended episodes and also special episodes. I think we just had one come out, Jay, where we talked about crap. What did we talk about? 
the music that damned us, right? Clifton, the secular yeah. music we weren't supposed to listen to, but we're doing anyway. Very yeah. naughty. Exactly. <laughs> we talked about we talked about a song by Laptop called I'm So Happy You Failed, which is a glorious masterpiece of <laughs> petty spite. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and we have another one coming out soon. All right. Well, uh, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit about this band? Yeah, I'll try to keep this short. Yeah, your and, notes are real short. Um, yeah, they're not. Uh, and Jeremy, feel free to jump in. But um, I'm just going to – I just found so much. But to, to, to start off, the prayer chain was Tim Tabor vocals, Andy Prickett guitar, Eric Campuzano bass, and Wayne Everett drums. Band from Southern California, and I'm just going to quote, read from Wikipedia right here. And it says the prayer chain was formed in February 1990. When Campuzano and Prickett's band Laughing Boy broke up at the same time as Tabor's band Tapestry, Campuzano knew Tabor through a Bible study group. Originally, Tabor sang and played drums, so drum machines were also used. And the band auditioned Wayne Everett to play drums later that year after meeting at a prayer chain show in California. Their first album, The Neverland Sessions, was recorded with Steve Hindelong at Neverland Studios and was released independently. And after signing to Reunion Records, which I'm just going to pause for a second in the quoting Wikipedia and just want to clarify reunion. If you didn't know, is like a really big Christian label. Yeah. This is a home of like Michael W. Smith, Rich Mullins, <laughs> everything. So it's a little kind of strange for a band like this to right. sign with that. But anyway, they put out the whirlpool EP in 91 started touring and put out shawl in 1993, which was the album right before this one. If I, if you, if I may read a little bit more, just to give you some more background on the band, this is from an interview with Tim Tabor on crosswalk.com. And this is about the greatest achievement of the prayer chain. This is what he said. He said, I guess I felt like we had a big effect on impacting the ability of a small to mid-level band to tour, especially an alternative band. We kind of pioneered that whole thing. I would venture to say that nearly every alternative band that's out there touring today honestly owes a lot to Frank mm. Tate, who is the owner of Five Minute Walk Cerebellum Records, but also I will throw in was Prayer manager. Chain's yeah. manager. Yeah. yeah. So he says, I mean, Violet Burning did it across the country, but it was all vineyard churches and stuff. Um, Undercover did one small tour, but we were one of the first bands to play like 108 shows and kind of developed a route and how to do it. I mean, other bands just wouldn't do it. They put out albums and play Cornerstone. He says, I mean, Mad at the World, Adam again, all those guys. It was a huge thing at the time that we got to deal with Reunion. You had Brainstorm and Frontline Records, and that was it. Nobody thought it was possible for an alternative band to get a big label deal, and we did it, and we didn't let them turn us into another Petra mm. or anything. We got to do pretty much what we wanted and, not, and stretch the envelope. So I think the whole reason that bands like Plank Eye, and he says not to take anything away from those guys because they're a great band, and all the Tooth and Mail bands can tour now is because the prayer chain went out there and proved it can Ooh, be done. Shots fired. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> I've got all kinds of more quotes on the making of Mercury. So I'm going to just read a tiny bit more and then I'm going to stop for a second and see if Jeremy or Clifton want to give any. I'm input, listening. But, I'm, I, this is stuff I haven't just, heard. So go, keep going. Okay, good. Well, this is from their Bandcamp page, which, as Clifton pointed out, does have a lot of info. Very grateful sure. to the band for doing this. But this is about the recording of Mercury. It says, and this is a quote from their page, it says, In the summer of 94, we drove out to Nashville to record our follow-up to Shawl. Steve Hindelong and Derry Doherty of the choir had moved their studio from Southern California to a spot in the eastern downtown area of Music City, and we were, and were just finishing up as we arrived. 
Chris Colbert was still wiring things together the day before, and the paint still smelled new. But all was well. Custom ancient Neve console, Studer tape machine, U47 microphone, extensive pedal collection, giant Tanoi monitors. We wanted to make a very sonic recording, and there were no better wow. people to do That's it with. Amazing. Steve had previously joined us in California for a few days to help us pull all the songs together. We had a handful of solid song ideas and a bunch of scraps. Mercury was written in these pre-production sessions, as were a few others. Steve left with some understandable hesitations, knowing that we were about to hit record on Reunion's Dime, and had a very thin amount of material to depend on. All we really had was a very large collection of cassette tapes that had all of our songwriting sessions and rehearsals and pre-production on them, which got stolen mm. right out of our van when we showed up in Nashville. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Okay, a little bit more. Again, I'm sorry. I normally episodes I don't read this much, but I just found so much good stuff for this album. This is with an Eric uh, interview with Eric Campuzano on somewherecold.com, and I pulled this from like way back in Internet Archive, so um, we'll link to it in the show notes. But he talks about the songs on Mercury, and he says, They were jams, but after we jammed, we made a very meticulous map. I think this story has been told many times. Mercury was written over many years. Mostly the prayer chain got together and hung out at Tim's house and wrote the music and melody on djembe, guitar, bass. The prayer chain premise was to make a record that came from the earth. He says, I know how contrived, but again, at least we tried. All of our beats and rhythms were derived from Aboriginal music, with the exceptions of Water Dogs. And Grilliad? I never knew how to say this song. Grilliad? Grilliad? I think so. Grilliad? I'm not sure. Grilliad? The rest was pure. The only song we copied was Water Dogs, a curve ripoff that most people thought was a crappy U2 ripoff. The rest of the record was saved via Steve Hindelong and Chris Colbert, who encouraged us at any cost to make That's this amazing. record. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to... Clifton's looking at my notes like, oh my God, is he going to stop? All right. Finally, listen, I'm just going to quote Chris Colbert, which I know, Jeremy, yeah. you just talked to him, so yeah, feel free I'll, to I'll add, add any other yeah. info that you learned. But this is from an interview also with Somewhere Cold, Chris Colbert. This is from about maybe 2000, 2001. He says... A good record takes a little conflict. Mercury was a... It's bleeped out, but I'm just going to assume he says fucking war. You can hear the band mm. break up on the record. You can see them extend a warm and heartfelt middle finger to the industry. <laughs> it started off with a little, lot of hope and expectation, trying to escape the grunge tag they got from Shawl. First couple of weeks were great. It was Wayne, Eric, Andy, Steve Hendelong, and myself. The drones were taken seriously. The Verve and drummers of Burundi were blasting through the big speakers. There was some strong drink. We were left alone. After this couple of weeks, Tim showed up. Then the label started to hang around the sessions. This is when the war began. Tim and the label versus everyone else. He said, don't get me wrong. I love Tim, but he loved the rock star aspects of the Shawl era while the rest of them wanted to be taken seriously as artists. Their quick rise and success kind of alienated them from a lot of musicians who had paid their dues but received no yeah glory. chris chris said that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah chris chris was uh it's it really bums me out i'll be honest with you guys because it's gonna bum you guys out because we actually didn't talk about this record a ton on the episode unfortunately i want to do another one with him about this episode at some point but he went on to tell me some things like kind of similar to what that is and i'm glad you read that because i didn't want to spill beans <laughs> of sorts but um <laughs> Yeah, he, he you know it, he basically said that you know the band was in the studio with Steve and recorded these songs and Tim didn't even come in until two weeks later something of that nature 
And there definitely was a, uh, I don't know how to say this. There was definitely a not on the same page vibe, I guess, is from what he said. Mm -hmm. Again, this is just paraphrasing. Um, But, you know, Tim was a mastermind at, 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 um, you know, promoting this band and making this band his, you know, you know, kind of his living per se, if you will. And the rest of the guys, you know, they're, I mean, they're all just so equally talented in, in, you know, in all shape and size of of it all. But what I'm trying to get at is he basically was said there was not only tension, but there was just a lot of, yeah. I mean, like he said, the, I guess wars, you know, without obviously not being there, there was just a lot of tension, a lot of uh, misunderstanding. It sounds miscommunicating. That type of thing is kind of what Mm -hmm. I'm grasping from the conversation, but I text actually Tim Tabor the other day and, you know, told him I had him on and he was like, Mercury would not be the same without Chris Colbert, which, you know, to me, you know, he's an unsung hero for sure on this record. Yeah, for sure. Um, he, he And actually when they pressed the record, he told me this, they left his name out of the liner notes is what he told me. That's crazy. Yeah. Name? And he was like, Yes. I, now, granted, they, it's been yeah. repressed, so I don't know if it's on the second one. But he's like, yeah, I opened it up and was like, oh, cool. There's my name's not there. And you know, like <laughs> when you hear him, uh, granted, we don't talk about this on the episode. This just kind of was off, and I was bummed that I didn't have it on because trust me, it was a cool conversation, and there was just a lot of meat there that I d- can't, you know say because i don't remember i was just in awe like whoa this is so crazy but he wasn't talking smack by any means he wasn't you know hating or anything like that he just was like yeah i was really bummed about it you know that type of thing but man i think like in the notes here like you said they wanted to make an organic record i mean this is a dirty record a very dirty record and i and i mean that in the organic way yeah it is i think they achieved it a hundred percent this you know, I, all I knew, obviously, like anyone else before Mercury was Shawl. And I liked Shawl. I didn't love it, but I liked it. I thought it was good. I loved that song 58 on it. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other good songs on it. But Mercury was like a sh- a seismic shift for me musically. I was into hardcore, but I also got into Starflyer and all that stuff as well, you know, that was kind of coming out at the time. And so this record was just pivotal for me and it opened my door to jesus and mary chain my buddy Mm. valentine slow dive like all these bands that you know i didn't know because i was in this world of you know petra which i still love petra (laughs) not gonna lie you know (laughs) carmen michael w smith amy grant that whole world I still have love for those songs, you know. I was jamming "Go West, Young Man" today with my wife, just because uh, it's yeah. nostalgic, you know. It's it's got good hooks on fair, it. Fair, fair. But yeah, I mean this this record just really grabbed me by the balls. <laughs> like I really was just like floored by it. Like I'd never heard anything like it. And like again, they're influenced by these other bands that wound up blowing my mind even further. You know, it's like this was a gateway record for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, we can jump to this, Clifton. I'll leave out the last part of my extra long notes. But, like, Jeremy, you just kind of answered it. Like, your your first experience with, with the record, it sounds like it was a real... Did you like it immediately when you first heard oh, it? Yeah. You're like, oh, absolutely. Okay. So, I actually... My mom worked at a Christian bookstore. 
Oh. And I remember seeing an ad for it in HM or Heaven's Metal or whatever. Yeah. yeah whatever it was called at the time. And I always like again, I loved Shawl. You know, I was still kind of, you know, I didn't love it, but I liked it enough. My buddies and I, we loved like, you know, Prayer Chain, Dick Jesus, um, mm, you know, yeah. all those alternative bands. And um, so I remember specifically that when this, the day this record came out, my mom, I was like, mom, you have to buy this record for me. This is, I want this record. And she brought it home for me, which was really cool. And I remember popping it in my CD player and I didn't know what to think. I liked it, but I was just like, it was so different than the grunge, like you said, which again, I wasn't even a huge grunge fan, to be honest with you. Yeah. I didn't like grunge really at all. Like my buddies and I wound up getting into like hardcore and stuff, um, you know, in high school per se. And, you know, of course, the other bands. And I, I was so not opposed to grunge because grunge was, I was in 96. So Nirvana was massive. Pearl Jam was massive, all that. And I was just kind of like, it's not my bag, baby. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, but the older I get, I appreciate it a lot more than I did when I I was just, you know, hardcore, hardcore 24 seven. That's really, (laughs) but with the, with the, with the dash of prayer chain and Starfly, you know, that type of thing. And then now it's complete opposite, you know, (laughs) like as older I get, it's like, it's flipped. But um, I remember specifically my mom buying this and bringing it home, and I was psyched and stoked. And I remember listening to it, and I, I don't. There was just something about it. I, it was again a gateway record for me, and I think it just opened my eyes, you know, to this like, like I didn't like secular alternative bands, but I loved. After this, I I delved into the Smashing Pumpkins. Mm. I delved into you know. These bands that they kind of, I had read interviews and stuff that they kind of were citing yeah. these bands. And so I kind of was like, oh, cool. I'm going to check these bands out. And I'm, you know, under, you know, I don't think my parents knew. I think I was still 16 or I don't even know what, when it come out, 95. Five. Okay. So I was, I was 17. I graduated in 96. Okay. Um, and then I wound up getting to see them. I mean, on, on that tour twice, actually saw them with Starflyer, oh, wow. 59. Which is and amazing, an unbelievable yeah. show. This is I got a crazy story about that that show too. If if you are okay with it, yeah, yeah. Is um, this the one in West Virginia? Yes. Okay, this is bonkers. <laughs> so I go to this show. My buddy, my buddies Aaron and Andy. I got to plug them. They're lifelong friends and homies forever. Two of my best friends in the whole world. And uh, we were we were the guys that were into hardcore, but we were into in these other bands. So we lived in Maryland at the time, and. Um, there was a, uh, I think we went to Morgantown, which mm-hmm. is about an hour, hour and a half away. And we drove to this show, and I'll never forget the day of it, because it was the day that the Oklahoma City bombing happened. But oh, wow. I didn't know what happened till I got home, because we were, there was no social media, and there was yeah, just no, yeah. you know, none of that stuff. Didn't know, wasn't aware of it. So anyway, it was that day, we went to the show. And it was this church, and it was cool because we saw all the guys from the prayer chain like loading all their stuff in, and we're like geeking out, like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And of course, Starfly had just come out. Uh, I think they had been out. I think Silver had been out for a while because I think it was in between Silver and um, Gold. So I go to the show, and we're standing in line, and there's this guy that's behind me, and uh, he's like, "Hey man, you want to check out my band?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure." What? what is it called? And he's like, uh, Zayo. And I was like, Oh, wow. I was like, Oh yeah. What's it like? And he's like, we'll look a hardcore band. 
And I was like, oh, what's, what's your name? He's like, Jesse, Jesse Smith. Oh and gosh. so I was like, oh, hey, that's cool. And he's like, do you want to buy it? And I was like, how much is it? And he's like, <laughs> four bucks. So I remember being like, I don't know. And then I was like, all right, I'll buy it. So I bought it. I lost it stupidly. <laughs> oh, man. Was I, this I, like a demo tape? It was the original demo. Oh, the original my God. I had wow. it. In, in fact, I... It was in my storage stuff, and I, I somehow it got lost or whatever. I'm bummed that I lost it. Trust yeah. Me. Wow. But anyway, I bought that. So we talked to Jesse, and uh, I want to say I don't. One of the other guys was with him. I don't remember who. This is before Sean was the singer. This was when Eric was the singer. So we're talking to Jesse. He's super cool, super engaging. Like we just have this awesome conversation. It's really cool. Then this other guy comes up, and Jesse's like, "Hey, what's up, man?" And he's like, "Oh, hey." And it was, uh, he was like, hey, you want my demo demo of my band? And we're like, sure, how much? And he's like, oh, it's free. So he gives it to us, and we're like, it's a band called Seven Day Jesus. And Whoa. Yes. Damn, man. Me, dude. I, <laughs> and here's the irony. Seven Day Jesus and Zayo were homies. Like, they were like. So weird. <laughs> think about the dichotomy of that. Like, think about it. They were playing shows together. They knew each other. And it was just so weird and bizarre. And at the moment, we didn't, we had no clue, right. like you know what was happening. But we we stayed in touch with Jesse after that. And um, my friend Aaron went on tour with Zayo as a merch guy eventually later on down the road. And and uh, yeah, it's super bizarre. But I'll never forget that show. It was an unbelievable show. I mean, like Starflyer Fifty Nine playing silver and gold songs, and then the prayer chain. Oh, this is another little side tidbit. Starflyer, the bass player was Gyro from Mortal, was wow. playing bass, and then Wayne Everett was playing drums. So okay. it was kind of duty. an all star. Yeah, it was wow. kind of an all. It was pre Americana essentially. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, Gyro played. So we were freaking out that Gyro was there. We were like, "Oh my god!" Like he's a god as well. Like these all these gods in one place. It was just crazy. And so never forget that show. It was mind blowing. I was bummed they were selling the mercurius tin so like they did a mercurius Mm, record and it was in a tin um cd case and it was like i think at the time probably 30 bucks and at that time i was right eight 17 and it was just like i didn't have that much money regret not buying it but that wound up being antarctica essentially you know i think most of it was at least but um i remember they were selling it and i remember buying a i still have my prayer chain shirt i should have grabbed it dang it I have a prayer chain Mercury shirt, and there's, I think they signed it, and there's all the dates on the back. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty freaking cool. I'll send you guys a picture of it later. Okay. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, man, I'm sorry I'm talking so much, but I get psyched of thinking about that because it really was just a formidable show for me, like a show that really – it's probably in my top five shows I've ever seen, and it's funny wow. because there was like 100 people there, you know? Yeah. That well, y- you mentioned something. Just final history of the band and album stuff, Clifton. Right. Final. He-, he mentioned me curious, and I guess the thing to say is basically like when the prayer chain <laughs> finished recording this album, sent it off to reunion. Basically, the way Bandcamp, I'm just retelling it on my own now. The way they tell it is basically somebody from the label flew out to California <laughs> immediately and was like, "We need to talk." Um, and basically wow. sat down and was kind of like, "Uh, what have you done?" <laughs> And ba- and I'm you know I'm really paraphrasing, but basically like made them record some new songs <laughs> to no. stick on the album. And so Mercurius 
which later became so that Antarctica is like some of the original songs from this album. I think maybe one or two others that they recorded as kind of extra. And then Mercury, as we have it, is like mostly stuff they recorded originally. Sky High that we're going to talk about tonight was extra. I think that might have been the only extra song. But there were other songs originally recorded for this that didn't make it out that yeah. finally came out later on it. And our, Which I, uh, I absolutely love those songs, by yeah, the way. I, there's some it's really funny because those, good are, ones on those are the hooky songs, if you will. Right. You know, those are the. It's, it's ironic, really kind of like, weird what they yeah. decided, like, this will make it. So, anyway, this album, at, probably as it was released, was probably a bit of a compromise, might not even be the right word. I don't know. The band may not have been happy with it, but this was what was put out, you know, yeah. finally that the, the label allowed <laughs> to come yeah. out from the recording of this. Yeah, well, the label is dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was on Road Dog, which is like a subsidiary of yeah. Reunion. And I think the guy who ran that was like their tour manager or somebody. Man, I cannot remember the guy's name. I remember it was like Taco or something like one of those names <laughs> like that. No, for real. Like, I, I remember reading. I was so, like, obsessed with that band back in the day when Mercury came out. So I think it was his name. I could, again, I could be wrong. So I apologize if I'm wrong. But I think he like started the Road Dog label because I, I think Reunion was like, again, this is just an assumption, but I think Reunion was kind of like, uh, and they were like, look, let's start a like a imprint, so it's kind of got some cred, if you right. will. You know what it's I mean? It's not Instead Michael of, W. Smith's label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going <laughs> to see the prayer chain on like an ad in CCM magazine. Or, yeah. You know, you know, they wanted to market themselves in a different way, obviously, and I think that was kind of their way of detaching themselves from the major label disaster that obviously, you know, was impending. So Jay, when did this album come into your life? You know, it's funny. I don't remember it as clear, clearly as Jeremy. I do remember probably because it was reunion. It had a ton of ads and stuff. I felt like, like this was really promoted in the Christian scene. And so I definitely picked it up sometime around then, but unlike Jeremy, I'll be honest. At first I was kind of like, no, like it's, you know, because it didn't have any like real hooky song. Like I didn't like I nothing really grabbed sure. me, so I was kind of like, you know, whatever. I mean, this is the same summer like going back that like Johnny Q Public came out with like mm. you know Body B or something, you know. So I'm just yeah, remember hooks. being like, yeah, 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 like like. Meh. But this is one of those that over time, even probably to this day, every time I come back to it, I'm like, oh damn. This like I hear something I haven't noticed before. I'm like, I really wow, I really like the and so it's just grown on me over time for sure. Clifton, I wanna know I wanna know your opinion on it. Yeah, Clifton, you'd never heard it till this we recorded this. I I remember this album being promoted in the magazines, but I don't remember seeing it in my in in the Mardell bookstore in my hometown. Yeah. So I've never heard this until this week. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear more of my opinion as we go through, but it's 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 right. it's good. It's definitely you can see where they are forming kind of the Lassie Foundation ideas here, you know? Yeah, 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 I agree. Let's jump into the first song, Hum. Yeah, I mean, I feel like immediately you could tell something is going to be different, right? It mm-hmm. starts with like, I wonder if it was an organ. I don't. It's some. It's it's a drone sound. Eventually, yeah. I mean that's the easiest way to say it. But I'm not sure what instrument is actually making that sound. And it's not until like 35 seconds in that you even hear like slight vocals in the background. 
finally about a minute in a bass line comes in which is yeah. the same one that's going to repeat in sunstone to close out the album yeah and it's like about two minutes in tim's vocals come in and they're hard to even understand what he's saying it's yeah. like kind of buried behind the drone kind of thing in fact i could never really tell till i actually looked at the lyrics and it's just kind of a droney thing drums finally come in about halfway through the song yeah. bass does then it stops then guitar then drums back then this like weird stereo effect back and forth in the headphones i mean it's just kind of like building up stuff's cutting in and out all over the place finally kind of gets full band towards the end of it and then just fades out again it's out of all actually all the songs we're going to talk about tonight i mean this might be the least song like yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think they probably got stoned and just wanted to make <laughs> right. like a my blood uh, for real like like probably were smoking something and they just turned their amps way loud and you know just went i mean obviously there's you know there there's an end game to it but like i feel like they just wanted to like I don't know. To me, I think they just were like, again, I, they mentioned Jesus and Mary Chain. They mentioned My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive, like all these bands. I think that was kind of their way of incorporating that into this record. And it, it, they were obviously influenced by it. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, there was no other Christian alternative bands other than Starflyer, which was before that. Or I guess it was after that. I take that back. So, like, it just. They were probably recording around the same time. Yeah, but it's like there wasn't many bands that sounded like those bands I just mentioned at all, really, with the exception, again, of, of Starflyer, but it's like, they were into stuff that we probably weren't allowed to listen to, you know? Yep. <laughs> you know? Exactly. <laughs> and and, and I, I'm grateful that they were, because, you know, some of those are my favorite bands now, you know? Yeah. Not not just secular music, but like the secular music you couldn't find in a small town. Yes. Yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, at Camelot or whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> So these drones that start off the song, are, are the, it's mostly guitar in this in this um, album. There's very like, there's very little that I think is not guitar. And it's probably just with a lot of reverb and chorus, and then I, there's definitely a tremolo in this one because it, it pulsates a little bit. But let's, let's listen. we can't just like do we can't do our normal thing where we listen to a little bit of something because it, like there's 38 seconds of just this pulsating yeah. overtones here before <laughs> anything else happens. It's brilliant. <laughs>
See there, a minute over a minute in, and the bass line comes in, right? Dude. Which, to be fair, you can imagine they their stoned. record, they their record company, like listening to this and going, like, "What <laughs> the hell?" <laughs> Meanwhile, me and I'm like, "What the hell?" Yeah. Like, this is <laughs> cool. Like, it was, man, it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. As as a 14 year old, I don't think if I had heard this, I would have appreciated it. Appreciate oh, I believe it, you that. Know? I believe that. Uh, you know the. Uh, there is one part from the Bandcamp page that, that you have on here, Jay, that I want to read because it's, you have to read this after you hear that part. It said, talking about the record label, they had high hopes for us being a, su- a commercial success, and we sent them an album that was CCM Suicide. <laughs> Fair. So true. Intentionally. If our name was cursed around the office, it was justified. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> well, and that's we'll talk about this more but that's the sense that i think is in this album is a little bit of like we don't want to be like ccm superstars so this is a reaction to that also the band is obviously having a lot of internal tensions so that's playing out in this and in some way like all those tensions really make like a really fantastic record you know absolutely Hmm. i yeah i I think i mean and I, with Chris mentioning it recently, it was just like there was the tension was, I think, uh, extremely palp- palpable in, in the studio. But I think it like you said, I think it made for great results. It made for um, the, the tension was needed is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, man, freaking. I think most people. Well, I want to say this. I do think this record and I, I'm not trying to go off on a tangent here, but I do think this if this record was not on reunion records and was not a Christian band. We're having a different conversation. And I say that because they put this record out to a small amount of people that got it, you know, and understood it. Mm -hmm. But the people that got it, it kind of changed their lives. Like in, in, you know, various ways, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're not we're not having this conversation. If this is on like Sub Pop or Four AD or something like mm-hmm. that, this is a you know another great record by a great band. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, my play Valentine's Love has to come out what two years before this. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I mean, it's not like these guys are picking up the sticks eight years later. You yeah. Know? <laughs> well, in that hum song, you can hear like yeah. the My Bloody Valentine influence, mm-hmm. right. Slow Dive influence. Yeah. And the Jesus and Mary chain, like it's totally there. Yeah. So I think they just kind of were like, F you, CCM. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of cynicism in the CCM world, especially around this time. I mean, probably still today, but I don't really care about today. You know, where with the Petra reference, right? Like the people at the labels are probably justifying in their head, oh, let's get Christian music out to the kids. You know, so we need to put out like what's popular on the radio today, which no matter how you do that, it's going to be derivative and yeah. soulless, right? Yeah. To a large extent. And <laughs> the prayer chain were not interested in being used as a vehicle for that, right? I mean, they're, they're not interested in just listening to the radio like, you know, like like what I think Carmen did, which was just turn the radio on and be like, okay, got it. And like, <laughs> Carmen turns the radio off for 30 seconds, like, right, got it, okay. And then like, you know. Hey, he sold out on arenas. Just kidding. <laughs> for free. 
<laughs> yeah, <Right>. true. <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. No, no, you're right. And then, and you know, like you like you said with the career suicide, I think they just at this point were like, you know, maybe in their minds they were like, we want to get off this label, you know. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, the tension between maybe they just were like, hey, let's just go out with a bang, you know. Yeah. You know. But even then, like, they still signed a reunion. They didn't sign to like Alorma. Yeah. Or, no, you're you know, right. I mean, you're right. And I, actually, I, you know, if I ever get an opportunity to talk to them, I'm definitely going to ask them <laughs> that a hundred percent because I've always been curious about that as well. And right. you know, Tooth and Nail was around. You like at this point? Yeah. But not when they signed. Right? I mean, yeah. they would have been perfect for that. Like, right? Yeah. You know. And, and it, they clearly knew. And they clearly knew Gene Eugene. So you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, they're they were like, in the brainstorm the, is around. Totally. And even like. um Whatever the labels, yeah, Brainstorm or, or um, one of those labels. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it almost seems like, you know, they were aiming higher than, you know, because, I mean, I guess that was a pseudo major at the time, you yeah. know, and maybe they, you know, yeah. from what I've heard, I think that they probably wanted, at, you know, Tim's always kind of the visionary in terms of, like, making the band big and, and, and you know, and that's pretty well well discussed. And then the other guys, you know, obviously weren't as, as into that, it seems as though. Um, so, you know, I I mean, it's probably four different reasons, it's you fair. know, yeah. why why this record is what it is and what it was. But, man, I'm, I'm grateful. If you want to add in Chris and Steve, there's probably six different yeah. reasons. Yeah, <laughs> no, you're right. No, you're right. And they all have their own key components, you know. And it's, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So about two minutes in, we actually finally get some vocal... So at this point on my first listen, I'm like, is this supposed to sound like a Catholic mass or something? Yeah. <laughs> it's It's got it. fair. I mean, that the, yeah, the kind of the rhythm of the way he sings yes. that right there does a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It, I get what you're saying. And you know, it's funny. I never thought of it that way. I always kind of looked at it as they had like some sort of influence. And like, I think you mentioned it earlier, like, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't know how to say this without sounding stupid, but like. Almost like that African flair, <laughs> that African, mm. you know, like the, like the, whatever that drum's called. I can't think what it's called, but you know, that just that, you can hear it in the background. The, it's the gym, like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's that, you know, you, there's just that, um, you know, yeah. And it, it's, I, I love that you brought that up because I've never thought of it that way, but it totally makes sense. I mean, cause it does like, at first I was even like, is this in Latin? Like, <laughs> which would have been brilliant anything. to be honest with yes, you. It been. I think it would have yeah. been cooler. Yeah, it, it probably would have been if you if you read along with the lyrics there while you're listening to that. It's kind of funny, got like his pacing on the yeah, on, on the words doesn't totally fit. And it, I could never make out much aside from like the water. I could make that out and a mm-hmm. few things, but yeah, a lot of the lyrics until I read the lyric sheet 
I couldn't tell as he was. I wonder. If, I'm sure they intentionally did that, and and I say that because I think that whole song it's called Hum. You know, it's not like with a B. Hum. Yeah, yeah, and it's like Humba, Humba. <laughs> no, it, it's just very like. I mean, I think that it's intentionally dirty. Like mm-hmm. it's intentionally, you know, take it for what you can, and like mm-hmm. you know, like I told you guys earlier, I'm not a lyric person i'm a music person so to me I, oh, mean, yeah. I probably was just like this is so badass like you know <laughs> you know <laughs> that's the other thing my at this time in my life i was definitely a lyric person so if i'd heard this i'd been like nope i don't <laughs> yeah, that's good out. <laughs> can i get my 16 bucks back right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, and, you know they're based on what jay read it sounded like they recorded the drones first so they knew yeah they, this thing didn't get weirder as they recorded it, no. right? They they no. went in there to record this album. Yeah, in or fact, more or less. my sense that I get is maybe this was actually one of the last songs. Um, uh-huh. Because it definitely, well, first of all, it, it must have come after Sunstone because it kind of carries that bass line at mm-hmm. the beginning yeah. of this a little bit. And I just, they talk it somewhere about, um, uh, where's my notes? That I think they basically took part of this, they needed something for Cornerstone that summer and so they kind of like made up part of this to like you know they wrote it on the way there or something so i don't know my sense is that like this was maybe one of the later songs on this album you know and kind of after they'd already kind of laid down a bunch of stuff i feel like they when i saw them and i don't i mean i really truly don't remember but i feel like they probably played this first to be honest with you it was probably one of those like you know, you just kind of getting you into the moment, yeah. getting you into yeah. the, you know, build, the, the crescendo is building, you know. Right. Um, this would be wild to see live. Oh, dude, it was, um, it was yeah, amazing. I actually cool wound up seeing them at an, another time that probably within a year or so at a festival mm-hmm. um, that a bunch of bands played at. Um, and I'm, I'm going to pick your brain for a second. Like, was it song, 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 or was there like time in between the songs on drones and stuff? Man, it was a lot of that, to be honest with you. Now that yeah. you say that, because I haven't thought about it in a while, but it was definitely like, I mean, Tim talked, but it was definitely <laughs> like, we're here to just rock. Like, yeah. and it was at a church. I think the first time I saw him was at like a Methodist church or something. And it was just like a rock show. It was like, yeah. hey, we're the prayer chain, you know? You know, a lot of feedback, a lot of, yeah. you know, whatever you want to call it. And it was cool. It was like, I mean, I'm 17 and I'm yeah. like, God, yes, rock my face <laughs> off. Like, this is so cool. Like, yeah, I, I'm curious because like going to see like like Animal Collective Live or something like that, right? Probably half to two thirds of that is actual songs because there's time spent up in between songs building the drones and stuff. Yep like live for the song yep. you know? yep. <laughs> with, yep. with loopers and things like that. Right. So anyways, I have a, a real quick, I have a side note. I'm sure other people that might listen to this podcast might relate to this. I don't know. Did you guys ever see Starflyer live at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Once, did you see the Americana tour? I did see the Americana okay. tour, which was great. I don't know if he did the same thing. Wayne Everett played and the whole concert, which I think to this day is, this is one of the most badass things I've ever seen in a show, but he literally the whole show they played their set and he spoke in French the whole show, <laughs> and I to this day think that is the coolest thing. And at the very end, I think he was like, "We're Starfire '59, 
um, you know, we're doing this for Jesus or something like that. Something of that nature. <laughs> but the whole show was French. And I, I'm like, I'm going to talk to, you know, like if I get a chance to talk to him, I'm going to talk to him about that. Cause I'm just like, that is so freaking cool. Like, and that kind of kind of goes back to the Latin comment. That's kind of what jogged my memory about it. I think they just were, God, these guys are so on a different planet, like mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah. Let's listen to how this song, this, um, this is kind of the crescendo of the song. I think that we're going to play here about two thirds of the way through. I love that. Yeah, those vocals, until you said it, I hadn't thought about Clifton, but it sounds exactly like something from like Catholic Church, you know, mm-hmm. the way he styles it. In fact, I'd, Jeremy, if you ever get a chance, ask him about that, because it almost <laughs> sounds like that that's where he took it yeah. from, you know? I, I'm glad you guys brought that up, because I never, I never equated that, to be honest with you. I just thought he was being cool, <laughs> you know, or, you know, trying to be cool. Like, I just... And I felt like, and having talked to Chris about it, like he was telling me how there was just not on the same page. And it was like, you know, it might've been, and I'm, again, this is, he might've just been trying to like, you know, add his touch to the song and it not be your Mm -hmm. normal, you know, grungy, what he's known for in the past, you know? And, and yeah, I mean, I love it. And I, I, now that you say that, I wish he would have been in Latin. I think that would have been cool as hell. Like (laughs) that would have been. It like, for real, it would have just been like, but I mean, in 1995, are you kidding me? People would be like, what the hell is this? Like, Yeah, this is already weird <laughs> enough. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I digress. So at that point, kind of our our guitars have kind of morphed into kind of like sitar sounding, you know, yes. um, which is probably done with effects. The bass is just this low rumble, just like, a, I mean, like mm-hmm. lower than, a, I think it's tuned down probably, but it's just a low rumble. and And the drums are just like this. I hate to use, I feel like this is going to be sound racist, but this kind of like primal, just like, you know, just, just, just kind of. It sounds African, like, or, or, does, or like yeah. that, not African per se, but like, you know, world, world. Yeah. World. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, There's a lot of that on it. here. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So this was not what I was expecting when I turned on the <laughs> city. I'll tell you that. 
Uh, especially coming from their other albums, you know, this was uh, yeah. I told Clifton he had to listen to a little bit of the other two before this just to see the show. <laughs> yeah, it's a different world, <laughs> for real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about lyrics, or should we keep going? Because we're it's going to take us five hours to get through this album if we talk about lyrics. I mean, we'll just say that these lyrics are based off Psalm one thirty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's Look it up. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. All right, let's move on to track two, Water Dogs. This is such a good song. Yeah, I mean, and this one is like, so somebody from their Wikipedia, they have like a prayer chain wiki, not Wikipedia, but like a like a fan wiki thing. Mm-hmm. And on their wiki, it says the song was heavily influenced by the band The Curve and it's the only rock song to appear on Mercury, which at first I was like, what? But then like the more I go back to it, I'm like, okay, I can see what they mean. Yeah. It's definitely the most like upbeat. Driving, the most driving. It's also kind of the biggest, the shortest. (laughs) Yeah. Like Sky High is a hard rock song. Yeah. It may be weird and wandering, but but it's it's grandiose. Right. It's very like, you know, epic. This this just kind of starts in like with drums and guitar and it, it kind of comes off well from that that from hum like it's just like mm-hmm. is a nice kind of follow-up but it's like straight in with those drums yeah and it's two sets of drums it's much more traditional song structure like yeah, I was gonna say, it sounds it like is. the old pra- the closest thing to the old prayer chain on this record uh, probably is this you know just yeah. that rockness but yeah but, but as clifton mentioned you're right like there is like another set of percussion or something going on even at yeah. the very beginning of songs i remember listening oh. going like what is that sound I remember now that you say that. Yes, when we saw them, they had a uh, they had a percussion guy with them. Oh, yes, I was gonna ask. And so he was in the violent album. burning. I think. Oh, okay. I think so. That makes a lot of sense. I remember. I think his name was last name was Tubbs or oh, no, it wasn't that. But anyway, they did have a dude. Percussionist. And I actually used to follow him on Instagram, um, and I cannot remember his name right offhand. But yeah, they had a guy percussionist that was doing like the bongos and all that stuff so it was yeah it was legit real as as i as i made it through this album i was like do they have like i the the the, the corny joke that came into my head was was like newsboys have a, have a second percussionist you know oh no <laughs> this like, is do like, they have a percussionist on this album <laughs> Just yeah for sure did absolutely <laughs> okay. so let's listen to that intro I love this round. So this is when I was like, oh, okay, I hear the pressure now. Yeah, yeah. fair, fair. Yeah. But you know where I hear it is in the vocals. Right. Yeah. Like there's something quintessentially '80s about Tim's <laughs> vocals. I can't tell you what it is, but it's just there. Yeah, he's got a unique voice for sure, <laughs> and I love it. I do like it, but I get it. Like I totally like I. I, I don't want to. I've heard you know I've heard from people um, you know that you know there was definitely a difference of opinion between the four or <laughs> three and one, I guess if you will. And three versus one of the direction of the band. And it's like, 
again, the tension made it great, but it's like you can kind of tell there's two different worlds going on somewhat, mm-hmm. you know? And he just tried to put his spin on it, which I think he did a fantastic job. There's so many songs his vocals are fantastic on it. I oh, love. Yeah. Um, but no, I get what you're saying. Like he's just got that unique voice, you know? Well, and yeah. you bring up a I'll follow that with a point I I noticed, especially listening to this song, but it happens throughout this album. I think like, and I don't know if you did this on this album, Clifton, if you didn't know, big deal, but I think if you isolate, like if you took out his vocals mm-hmm. um, and just listened to the instrumental part behind it, it, it's like very different song. Like his vocals have got this rhythm. He's kind of doing his own thing. But like, if you just listen, especially like the verses, the music in the background, it's like, it's weird. <laughs> like it's not yeah. real traditional, like pop melody, but he's tr- kind of trying to make it that way with his vocals, but yeah. they're doing weird stuff in the background. So let's listen through the end of the verse here and then into the chorus. And then let's do the same thing again with, with just the music. Okay. That drum, that tack, 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 just cracks me up for some reason. All right, so here it is, uh, just the just the music. I was gonna say it's kind of like groaning guitars, you yeah. know. Like it's just like they're just like they're not. This isn't like you know one three four one three four or something like that. This is just like guitars that are like yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> and some of the verses on the songs, it's just like <laughs> yeah, in the background, like they're not really even strumming. It's just like weird stuff like that. And what I was gonna say is. I realized as I was exploring this album, I was like, wait a minute, Eric Campuzano wrote like yeah. all the lyrics. And so then I was like scratching my head because I was like, wait a minute, Tim doesn't play an instrument. What does Tim do? But then I realized more, it's like he kind of, he's the front man yeah. and he figures out how to put these lyrics over this music yeah. like we just heard yeah. in certain ways and stuff. And he's got the delivery and everything. And so, yeah, he's kind of, taking this weird like screechy droning music and trying to make, put some melody over yeah. it yeah um and it, it it's nice it works really yeah, well absolutely so the first three songs here isn't is is creole the third song no fourth. fourth song so one two and four are mixed separately from the rest of the album they're mixed by gene eugene in the green room i, I wonder if there's there's a lead guitar there that also sounds kind of 80s to me um, let me go back a little bit here. That one that's like near 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 that one sounds like you know it's 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 more traditional guitar first off. I wonder if something like that was added later on to make it feel more like a song. 
I know they definitely went back yes. and added stuff in. And yeah. and definitely like the background vocals had to have been added in Cole later. Bear, and some told stuff. Me, Cole Bear told me that they went back and added a bunch of stuff that really didn't change much. And he was like hmm. he was like, I don't know why we did that. You know, it was kinda like you know, and it, it wasn't a slight to those guys. He just was like I think they were just trying to polish it as best as they could in terms of like mm-hmm. the record company or whatever because the record company wasn't psyched they weren't stoked so i think they were just trying to you know polish a turd in in their you know right in in the record company's mind but yeah colbert's like yeah we went back and changed stuff and he's like I, some of that stuff that should have never been changed and you know he just he had this great i mean man hit <laughs> The conversation when I had him with them off the record, it was just like, whoa, <laughs> like fly on the wall, baby. Like, but he's so opinionated and so hilarious. And yeah, it was cool. So in the chorus there, we're about to listen to the chorus again. Did you, he, the, the lyrics here in, in the book are ever did I feel the need for something more? But I swear to God, he said something pure. I think he says it in one of the lines. It sounds okay. like he does at least yeah. once. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to listen here to a later a later chorus, which is kind of an extended chorus from that first one, and then into some fun, crazy chorus. Really fun, but I also feel like this is more recognizable from someone coming from the grunge world. Yeah. Fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, and they, uh, you know, that was their world previous to this record and i think they like i think you mentioned earlier they wanted to like get away from that so i'm sure they still had you know those tidbits or or those inklings of the past and you know too they don't want to alienate their crowd completely i assume you know they wanted to still have kind of a a, you know their fan base at least appreciate kind of what they loved in the past and i'm sure that probably was part of their mindset as well but you know it definitely was a departure and but I love the I love the guitars. I've always Andy Prickett is brilliant. Um, yeah, and I've always loved his guitars. But like on this one, I, man, they just turned it up and just you know they were <laughs> they were just messing. I think Colbert was saying, you know I think he was involved doing it and hand along and all them just turning knobs. Man, that's it's it's apparent in the whole record. You know. All right, let's move along to the next song, Grilliad. Maybe. It's a great song. This kind of starts... I didn't know how to describe this, so I said a recording sound. Like that... Like that... I I don't know how to describe the sound that it starts with. And then it's just distortion again. And bass and drums. And the guitar, though, when this one comes in, is a much more rhythmic kind of starting. It's not as much just like fuzz, like crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's that sound. 
one, those vocals are very like Stone Temple Pilots, right? Like <laughs> he probably was into that. He probably was into yeah. That. There's an effect on them, like a digitized like reverb or something on them. I don't know. <laughs> no, I get that. I'm yeah. He he probably they probably were. I mean, I don't know if all of them were, but I bet he was into them for sure. Yeah, that's just a guess, but. Yeah, I, lo- I love the way this song starts. It it almost kind of reminds me of like a heavier hum, like the not hev- the mm-hmm. band hum, but the song right. hum. You yes. know, it's just kind of the droney, I don't know, just slow burning song. And then you mm-hmm. know when you know goes back to the guitars coming in that are you know eclectic sounding, like like we talked about in the last couple songs. It's just like I don't know. I they're they're painting a picture. You know, uh, uh, the whole record's painting a picture, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of interweaving itself in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, I, I love the way the song. It's such a good song. And this one has it's a more traditional song arrangement, you know, for rock and roll. But I even had like I always take notes of like when certain parts of songs start, and I had a hard time being like, okay, is this a pre-chorus? Is this a, is this mm. a chorus? Like, I was know. gonna say, I'm not sure this has a chorus. Right. It's got a bridge type part that is probably the chorus. Yeah. But it's only like once, like I was noticing that too as I was going through. I was like, "Wait a minute, this is actually kind of a weird, like, I don't know." It there's no like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, that kind of yeah. stuff in this one. Yeah, I, there's one part where I think is the chorus, and I sit my note to myself is kind of underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, that's probably the chorus, even though they really mm-hmm. only do it once. Yeah. But that this album has a lot of parts like this, that line that says, give me a while and I'll show you how it feels. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lines kind of like that in a lot of songs that like, they're just nice because you can make a lot of meaning out of it. Mm-hmm. Like you could apply that to a lot of stuff personally and just like, yeah, yeah. you know, I have, I don't think that's what they meant when they wrote it, but for me, it means this and I'm connected to it. And yeah, <laughs> totally. they're very, they're very feeling based lines and they, I think they know it because they have a tendency to repeat them. You yeah. know, like yeah. this song also has a line that's repeated a lot. I've lost all continents. You've gone too far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do want to read the lyrics of that little course here because it's kind of fun. It says, okay, crack the cricket's cackle. It's crawling up my spine, spit on its head to see the sunshine. Give me a while and I'll show you how it feels. Ooh, love that. I'm sure that I'm sure like <laughs> you said Composano wrote the the lyrics. I, I wonder, I'm just curious what Tim thought when he was about to sing, right. sing them. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a weird way. I, I'm sure he was just like, what the hell? Like. Okay. And I I think the way he wound up singing them on this is great. Like it fits the song, you know. It does. Like I could see that that performed as a much more in your face kind of chorus. 
but I kind of like the understatedness of it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think the understatedness of it. I think both readings of the lyric of the of the lyrics would be correct, but the un, like when you when you're almost swallowing every line, it feels it's not gonna be as fun of a song, but it feels more true and emotional. Yeah, no, I get that. Absolutely. Just from the wiki, by the way, it says the lyrics use the analogy of being bu- being a bullied cricket. A cricket is a leaping orthopterus from the insect family Grilliade. Which is in the, by the way, it's in the lighter notes. See here, guys? Oh, never mind. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Did not know that. Thank you. <laughs> it looks oh, like- and he says... He says special thanks to Love and Rockets, and that's another part that Eric points out. Campisano does it. This is from the wiki too. Campisano does admit to borrowing the line, "Give me a while, and I'll show you how it feels." From the Love and Rockets oh song, "All in My Mind." God, mm. okay, that makes sense. Yeah, and it look, did you notice the additional vocal? Last name's Colbert. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, additional vocal by yeah. Colbert. I'm interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna guess it's his previous wife. <laughs> I think so, right? <laughs> Interesting. I don't know what the play next is this song because there's so much interesting parts to it. I think I'm going to go into they kind of do the pre-chorus again here a little bit, um, and then go into some fun guitar time. I'm going to say that one on this album, by the way. <laughs> One other thing from the wiki on this, it says drummer Wayne Everett played a violin solo on the track, despite mm-hmm. not knowing how. You could <laughs> yes. hear him on the recording laughing after he played it. Wow. Which I wonder um, if that's meant to sound like a cricket. Maybe, because there's that weird stuff at the end. Yeah. 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 That, well, that um, was it right there. That was a violin solo right there. That they're like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we just heard. Yes. <laughs> that uh, song is the prayer chain going shoegaze for sure. Like, just. Yeah. You know, at the end of the soaring guitars and just that, you know, wall of sound sounding part, you know, like when they're all just, I mean, that's, you can tell the it's influence so there. Yeah. Yeah. The last verse is, um, how happy are you now? 
I feel like the Grilliad. Two inches tall or nothing at all. I've lost all continents. You've gone too far. So one other thing to add. This is from interview with Eric on, I think that's somewhere cold page. We'll got it. We'll link to it in the notes. But he says the lyric was derived or based on the fact that Reunion Records wanted us to become the next Petra. We refused <laughs> it, and as such, we suffered. As the main lyricist at the time, they made me feel like a loser. And on top of that, they informed me that I was not a Christian, and essentially, oh, wow. I was going to hell. Which our manager agreed because all of a sudden we were going to lose a ton of money, and even a member of our band agreed that I was a lost soul. And the result was that I lost all countenance, and they have gone too far. Wow! Good. The God. result: the prayer chain is dropped. He said, and Eric even says in this, "I think this is the greatest song ever written by the prayer chain." That's intense. I know. <laughs> I don't know if you'd feel like that now. I mean, again, I think he's writing this like 20 years ago, but yeah. it was pretty interesting to get that background of like, okay, this is a little bit about dealing with the record That's company. amazing, though. Wait, did they tell him he's not a Christian because he was doing a bad thing for the record label? I mean, it's hard to tell. He says, they informed me that I was not a Christian and essentially I was going to hell. I don't know what, I've heard, what that's based on. I've heard on. there was things smoked. At the time, which okay. at that time was a faux pas, obviously. But like, um, is Tim the one smoking them? No, it was <laughs> definitely no, not. It wasn't him. It was <laughs> the other three. In fact, I I remember, I do remember seeing Wayne Everett. I think at a Starfire show or whatever, smoking a cigarette at that time, and I was, you know. I was like, whoa, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> how dare he? Like, yeah, you see those Christian bands smoking. I remember that was a thing. Like, oh, my yeah. God. And Jason Martin, same thing. Like, but, you know, oh, looking yeah. back on it, it's just ridiculous. But either way, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was that. Yeah, and like the tension we talked about earlier, I'm sure that, you know, that yeah. what you just said is probably a good portion of of the tension, you know, of the man. And it's a bummer because. They're all, I mean, I think looking back on it, they probably, probably don't feel that way anymore. I don't know who's saying, you know, for real. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. But, you know, you know, back in the day, I think when we're young and I guess more emotional, if you will, I'm sure there's Mm -hmm. things said and that probably were regretful at some point, you know. Well, I think most of the guys, I was looking back because on that, that one of the fan sites that even had like their birthdays, they were born in like. I think 69 or 70. So they're about, they're about 10 years older than me. And so at this time they're like 25 basically when they're making this album. So like, you know, when I think back to me being 25, I'm like, yeah, I I didn't make the best decisions. No. Yeah, Yeah. no, I get it. And and, you know, the pressure of, of again, trying to be the next Petra, but also wanting to have, a lasting effect or, or, a um, you know, a record that you're proud of, you mm-hmm. know, you know, I'm sure that had, I'm, I mean, I can't imagine again, it's not pressure as in like the world's going to end, but you know, at that time, but you know, that was like their money. Age. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, totally. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that's, that was their income at the time, you know, I'm sure, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a pleasant conversation at times, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, let's move on to track four. Creel great song i love this song um i love like so many of the songs on this but this one well this one has one of my favorite parts on the entire album and i don't know it's just a good one i will say we had to drive to my in-laws this weekend and on the way there i was controlling the music on spotify and i somehow told my wife i was like 
you want to hear something that we're going to talk about this weekend on the podcast? And I played this song and she was actually like, and she is not from this world. None of that. She was actually like, this is not bad. That's awesome. I was like, I know, I know. See, right. That's cool. <laughs> My wife would be bad. Well, but like it's funny while listening to this earlier i was on i was scrolling through facebook and someone said something to the to the effect on one of the groups it's like it's sad that christians haven't written any good music in hundreds of years and i was like actually yeah <laughs> in 1995 they did actually there's been plenty of that you know there there's been. fantastic <laughs> records no this song starts slow it's kind of got a fade in with drums and guitar I wrote in my notes that within about the first minute, this sounds the most normal of any song, <laughs> just like starting off. I don't think it ends that way, but at the beginning, it kind of has a fairly normal intro. This is another one that I, you can understand him saying slow, but I definitely could not make out all the vocals Mm -hmm. without the lyric sheet here. I feel like background music, this is a little more normal at this point in the song. Like, it's not like, you know, one thing or something. Like, it's like somewhat fairly instrument, you know, normal instruments and stuff. It's kind of pretty typical, like early 90s indie rock, you know, just yeah, like clean your guitar, yeah. doing a doing like a two note kind of dinner. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Lyrics are pretty repetitive with that slow part over and over, which is actually kind of nice. Yeah, this is another song that just kind of builds. Yeah. And my favorite part of the song is maybe like three quarters of the way through, but it just kind of slowly building yeah. towards something. There is an interesting lyric coming up here, the next lyric, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah, let's, let's listen to it first. So that's slow surreal, slow gay, slow creole. Yeah, I don't know what that means, guys. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I have no clue. No clue whatsoever. Okay. Uh, well... Hang on. (laughs) Um, So this is from Eric. So basically he says, the song is about identity and death. He says, all the old ghosts. And he says, a pure pop math song. We thought slow gay was going to be a real controversial lyric. No one cared. We also thought the bass changing every chorus would be real fresh. No one cared. (laughs) In addition, we also thought it'd be real cool that the bass played the guitar solo. Again, no one cared, and why would they? Who'd want to hear the bass play a guitar solo? And he says, we end the song with something Steve put together with his kids that sort of gave a vibe of the old ghost. Oh, that's cool. I get that now. 
<laughs> That's cool. I mean, they were just like, I mean, it's apparent when they were in the studio, they were just like, we're going to do whatever the hell we want. And, right. you know, yeah, I'm going to shred on the bass here or whatever, you know, the <laughs> solo on the bass. No, it's cool, though. I mean, like, I've never heard, like, I'm glad you brought all this stuff up because this stuff I actually didn't know. I, I've probably read a couple, you know, interviews and over the years and stuff, but that's pretty in depth. And, and like, I've always known those lyrics, but, you know, again, I didn't, I didn't know what they were referring to. I didn't know any of that stuff. But it's it's crazy to I mean, it's it seemed like they wanted to poke the bear a little, um, you know, <laughs> you know, and no pun intended. <laughs> like that I say that, but like you know, I think like you said, they wanted to say something that was controversial, and it just went under the radar. It seems like, yeah, you know, and I'm actually shocked. Reunion allowed that to go. Me too. Honestly. I wonder if there were just so much, uh, so many other things. Right. <laughs> to be upset about They probably didn't like, even notice. They fine. probably didn't even, even listen care. to it, to be no. honest with you. They probably were like, Fair. you know? Yeah, they, they made it 30 seconds into the first track and they're like, what is this? Yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't recognize this as music. Crazy. All right, we're going to listen to one of the courses and then some of the fun guitar. Just what those recordings are. That's a cool song. Mm-hmm. That's a cool song. Clifton, yes. even after that amazing part, I'm going to make you back up because okay. I think you left out my favorite part of the song, which is right before that at about three minutes and 40 seconds in. I love when the bass like pulls to the front here. It is like...
Um, at that end part where all those like guitar crazy at the very end, I feel like I just see Andy Prickett sitting Indian style with his pedals, <laughs> you know, and just strumming and you know turning the knobs, and they're all just like hell yes, like you know yeah. just <laughs> you know I don't know I just and I want to say too on, on a side note I think this is one of Tim's strongest vocal performances on the record i think yeah he fits this song not that he doesn't fit mm-hmm. the other songs but i think this song isn't the same without tim on it for sure Fair. and i think it, like the way he delivers the vocals in this song is it's it's awesome I, I think it's so good it just fits it really well so the lyrics are for this one part is all the old ghost will let you know just how far just how far gone you are i always thought growing up it was just how far from god you are (laughs) trying to be Um, christian yeah which i yeah it's interesting right i'm sure my brain was trying to make it that way but just the way he kind of says it that's what i always thought so you can hear it yeah go i was gonna say it's probably in those lyrics are probably in line with what we just were talking about uh, of the you know the distance from the label and i mean it just sounds kind of like like or, or like hey you're not a christian anymore or whatever mm-hmm. that you know that conversation was it just seems like it's still resonating in, in these songs you know the further each rec- or song goes in, in the record yeah i'm really curious to know if if uh they had the lyrics written by the time that tim showed up or if they were writing them that's still. a great question mm, yeah that is a great question so some of the high-pitched stuff there at the end is kids screaming, and some of the high-pitched stuff at the end is just feedback. Love that. I think that's cool. Like, I always noticed that part of the of the song of the kids, you know, at the end, and it just kind of got that, um, it's a very, I don't want to say it's a 90s thing, but it's very, like, you know, mm-hmm. not your normal, uh, you know, it, it just kind of reminds me of the 90s, you know, just kind of like yeah. certain songs. And um, that's cool. I mean, <laughs> I hadn't listened to this record in a while, even though it's one of my favorites. It's just kind of one of those I just hadn't listened to. And <laughs> we were doing this, so I listened to it recently again. And I was just like, those little things that you forget about. Mm-hmm. Like, since we've been going through these, I'm like, oh, yeah. I like, I just, these memories come back in my mind of, you know, you know, being a kid myself, essentially, right. you know, just, yeah. it's crazy. All right. Well, let's move on to track five, Sky High. This is my favorite. Now, this is one I know Jeremy wanted to cover, so I'll let him lead on this. The only thing I'll add is what I, one thing I love about this is like the label was like, uh, we need you to record some more songs because, you know, we don't songs. like what you have. So what I love is the prayer shade records this eight minute yes, long the song. It's and an it opus. Sticks it, on here. it is so good. I don't like, okay, I love the whole record, but this is the one when I was. You know, when I first got the record, this was my favorite song. I don't know why. I cannot tell you why. Other than it's just a grandiose song. It is like, (laughs) you know, start, stop, start, stop. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I think it encapsulates the whole record in one song. And, you know, you've got your slow burn, your epic 
loud, you know, chaos. I don't know. It's and the melodies in it is great. You know, lyrically, it's not my favorite, but it is. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It just kind of fits the name. Kind of fits the song "Sky High." It's just very. I don't know. Yeah, I. I mean, I. I don't know if you liked it as I mean, I know you left it off the list, but I just this is the one for me that I've always just you know, if I ever played a song from this record, this is the one I played because I feel like this is the one that most people would be like, Whoa, that's cool. Not that the other ones weren't, but you know, it's just kind of one of those I think that would people would be like, Oh, this is this is oh, it's eight minutes. That's cool, you know, like that type. <laughs> but it's nine minutes long, so you can't put on a comp. Yeah, no, you know, or, so. or if you do, it's the last song or something. The last like, song, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is ironic because it's not the last song on this, but, you know. So my note on here is right in with some hard rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's oh, yeah. it's really, I mean, it is super fuzzed out. Like, I mean, the the, so, the guitar solo or the guitar, lead guitar and the rhythm guitar there are, are just like, yeah, you know, just fuzzed out. <laughs> yep. Yep. Good old 90s. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, you know, I know you guys are going to talk about the lyrics, but I always thought the freaking, I know we didn't listen to that part yet, but I just thought the how it just kicks in and then like it starts to quietly you know in the course of vocals and I, we'll talk about the lyrics in a second but i always thought the first line of this song is so sick i don't know why just Me think too. it's so yeah. interesting and it's something my 17 year old mind had no clue about you know what i mean and yeah. you know i'm hey. 45 and i still don't know but you know i know more than i did let's just say that you know let's, let's listen to it and then i'll, t- I'll tell you what i thought was gonna happen So those lyrics are, soothe me at the yucca's feet, taste the sweet of salt and sand, feel the burn, I know you can, deep, deep in my mind, hear about God's heavenly spies, speak about rolling skies, here comes the rust. The first time I hear soothe me at the yucca's feet at 17 years old, I'm like, what? But I'm also like... (laughs) 
That's so cool. Like, it, <laughs> you know, you're listening to Petra and you're listening to Carmen and Micah W. Smith. And, you know, you're starting yeah. to listen to these bands that are, are branching out a little. But it's like, what the hell's the yuckest feet? Like, you know, at 17, that's like groundbreaking. Like, and lyrically, like, yeah. you know, like, what? I, I think this whole record's that way for me. There's just certain lines that I'm just like, you know, like when he talks about Yuri Gagarin, the cosmonaut. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. which I know we'll get to, but it's, it's brilliant. Like, anyway, no. I, I thought this was going to be about drinking. Oh, I didn't even. With the yuckest feet, like maybe, like, yeah, like tequila I didn't even see. It's so crazy how everyone looks at it so differently. <laughs> like, I had no clue, like, what to think about it. And like I told you guys, I'm not a lyric guy. So yeah. when that grabbed me, I was just like, oh, that's just a cool sounding lyric. <laughs> like. It is, though. You yeah. know. But now that you say that, it makes sense. Like, but then the song really isn't about drinking, so I don't know what it's about. Well, are you ready on more background? Yeah, do it. All right, from the wiki, it says the lyrics were based on an idea of drummer Wayne Everett's. Bassist Eric Campisano says, for Wayne, he felt in touch with the infinite and his innocence at a place called the Salton Sea in California. <laughs> he used this place as a metaphor to finding peace with God and a sanctuary from the rest of the world. This is a song. Uh, sorry, the song is about finding peace and innocence. That's cool. Okay, yeah. that makes more sense. Right. Yeah, that's rad. I didn't know that. So, I mean, I feel like this song, like, you get to about like four and a half minutes in, and you think it's done, and it kind of cuts out, and then it just comes back. Yep. Again, like this is another one that just kind of keeps jamming. Yeah. I don't know if that's what I like about it the most, but. I just, I don't know. I just think there's just that, I don't know. There's the one that's grabbed me of all of them. And it's funny because it's not the dirtiest and it's not the gnarliest, but it just, I don't know. It's just that epic. It's their Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, like, <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, I mean that in a, in a joking manner, but like, it's just their, you know, soaring song, you know? Yeah. Let's listen to some of that. This is going to be about three and a half minutes into the song. When we get kind of our first, well, maybe second, kind of everything fades out.
I'm gonna fast forward a little bit here. Is that Wayne singing that part? The Salton Sea part? Is that Wayne? There is a background, yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you that is, because it doesn't sound like Tim. Did anybody else think he said water dogs? I did too. Right there? I used to always think Thank that. You. Yeah, Good. I did. I was like, oh, a callback. I know. And then I look at the lyrics. I'm like, no. I used never to mind. think the same thing. <laughs> Listen, I think Tim's vocals are strong on this record or on this song too, for sure. Yeah. And I think they almost make the song somewhat. And, and I, I know the song is incredible without it, but it, he, he does sound good on this song and he does sound like he was meant for this song. Just his soaring vocals, a lot of it, which I really like. Yeah. And I also, I love that guitar part at like just the melodic part at the near the end. It's just so epic. And I also thought, Heavenly Spies, that lyric is such a cool band name that no mm-hmm. one's ever taken. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, you know, I just, man, that's such a, the lyrics in this, like we talked about, I just, I, I always kind of just, I don't know what it was about it, but I just always kind of like grasped it. The, these lyrics, for most of this album, the lyrics are like vague in a good way that like yeah. anybody can kind of put their own meaning to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and it's really nice. There's like, we're not covering Shiver, but like that song is like not vague. And I was not, I'm not a fan of musically. It's okay. But the more I read the lyrics, I was like, Ooh, yeah, like this one. But, um, yeah, most of these songs, this one included are pretty vague and like, you can kind of like make it mean what you want it to mean, which is, you know, nice as a listener. You guys might, you listeners might think that we're going to do every song, but we're not. (laughs) But we are going to do the next song, which is Mercury. I love this song. (laughs) Track six. Yeah, I mean, this one, I think, uh, you know, and you've heard them all to this point. This one starts really differently. Like you hear this, you're like, oh, this is a shift. Like pretty much from everything we've heard from the beginning. It's, It's this bass line that carries the melody in this and it's just kind of like a steadily strum guitar and maybe some kind of like tribal drums in the background but it's very steady and just i mean you'll play in a second clifton but it's just you can tell immediately that this is a different sounding song yeah you know it's it's feels very much like um here comes your man on on doolittle you know Uh, huh where you're like here's a different song (laughs) You know? Yeah, I see what you mean. Like you've got all those, and then suddenly, like the the shift into the yeah. yeah. All these all these songs have been taking groovy. music apart. It's, it's like a yeah. groove yeah. to it. Yeah, right. That's so. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like this bass actually sounds kind of poppy. Yeah. Also, Tim's vocals here are completely different than everything. Like this sounds like he's in the nineties. Finally, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Well, it's probably the way they recorded them too. I think it just sounds very like, you know, it's not the rock band. This is just right. like you know, it's, it's, it's a little more actually a little more lo-fi instead of yeah. having that kind of digitized reverb yes. to them to make them stand out and like, punch you in the face. You know, yeah. Well, it's just. It it's chill like the music, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. it is. I mean, it's weird. This is kind of a weird song because, like, honestly, like the beginning part, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know, this is different vibe. I'm not sure I'm into this. But by the time the chorus rolls around, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I'm 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 liking this part. Like, yeah, it gets a little bit, yeah, it, it just takes a turn, and I'm I like the where it goes. I'm gonna disagree with Jay in the saying that I like it all, but I think I like how it goes <laughs> together. Let's listen. Okay. okay. It takes years to get here. It takes years to get back. All your feelings are streaming down your That was another line. I'm not sure how it made it in the album. <laughs> I really love that guitar solo. It reminds me of kind of like mid-career Starfire, like which yeah. they weren't doing even at this point. You know, they were still in their uh, very much in their shoegaze gaze era. You know. Oh yeah, 
Absolutely. So that line there that Jay mentioned, that Jay commented on, is all your feelings are streaming down your leg, which is great. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely... They pulled. They were pulling no punches on this, which I like. And and again, it's kind of one of those things where like you can take it for what it is. But it's like, yeah, man, 1995, a Christian alternative band writing lyrics that might or might not make sense. And uh, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's just cool. Like, yeah, you 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 can see why they're listed as influences on so many other bands we cover on this podcast absolutely yeah yeah and then in the next in the next verse or the next two verses are incredible as well like it's you know anyway go ahead i'm gonna skip over the verse (laughs) get to the instrumental part because i think it's oh this is the best part of the song guitar time (laughs) yeah this part's so good of that into those kind of lo-fi vocals right yeah. there. The, mm-hmm. Just gorgeous. I like the delicacy this is, in his vocals. Yeah, this is my favorite yeah. kind of like indie rock, indie pop type stuff. <laughs> and like it takes years to get back just repeating that again. Mm-hmm. Another line that's vague that everybody's like yeah. kind of everybody can put some meaning to yeah. and so it just works really, really well. Yeah. This is, yeah, I mean they're all, this is a well-written song. Like just, yeah, I mean not that the whole record isn't, but this is just a, yeah, it's a, a sleeping giant for sure. Yeah. I'm going to listen to the end because I love how the song ends. always thought when he said those lyrics at the end like just you know i love those lyrics i quoted it earlier i don't know what it is about it but it's just like who refers to a cosmonaut in a christian alternative rock record like (laughs) i don't know it just blew my mind like 
you know, it's so cool. And looking back on it, it's just who fits that into a song? Like, yeah. And, and the follow up lyrics, all gravity is lost. So gone. So numb. So long. Yeah. And, and I love that it ends. Every time I listen to this song, I feel like the chorus is going to come back in and then it doesn't. And so it feels unresolved. Mm. And I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure the record company did not. <laughs> yeah exactly they were like what this is this is the title of the album and like yeah man yeah. i love it i think the um tour was called 56 My- million miles tour okay yeah I'm it was sure, i think you're yeah, right i'm not sure it said that great song so somewhere i actually do have a yuri gagarin here pulled up died march 27th 1968 um was he one of the ones who died uh first successful crewed space flight who became the first human to journey into outer, into outer space. I watched a documentary on Netflix recently with my wife, and I think they talked about him on there. It might have been the one of the ones about U.S. going on, and they talked about him. And every time I hear that name, I think of this song, like, for sure. Like, oh, well, like, of course. It just jogs that memory, you know? And I, to be honest with you, I feel like I probably may have heard his name in school, but I, you know, most school things I just wasn't really into. But it's like, oh, the prayer chain said it? That's kind of cool, like <laughs> right. getting my education from rock bands, you know? Well, all right, let's uh, skip to the end song now. So we're skipping a few. I will say I like song number nine quite a bit, Bendy Line. It's a great song. Um, Love that song. But I also like our podcast and don't want it to go on yeah, three plus I get hours. It. So, I get it. <laughs> um, but yes, it is definitely worthy. I, like pretty much every song on this album is good, but yep. like that one is worthy of checking out. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like you have to do the last song, Sunstone, because this kind of like really encapsulates so much of the album in this song. It's got the drones. It's got just just so much stuff. It's fun. They're u- they're using a like thunderstorm as a drone there in the background. That's cool. That's so I cool. Th- 
that baseline yeah, I love mm-hmm. it. stays the entire eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And for some reason it does not get old and works no. like right. Totally. <laughs> yeah. What what's the really long song at the end of Starflyer Fashion Focus? Oh crap, what is Oh, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. This is remind this this reminds me of that at several points though. Um because I I get very like not yet, but they're coming up. I get very uh Gene Eugene vibes oh, at yeah. points in this song. Yeah. They I like um yeah, I mean, like you said earlier, like how you talked about Hum was probably written last, and it, it makes sense because I feel like this was, you know, probably maybe a song they were jamming on as they were trying to find a, the new record sound, and it was just mm. drony and dirty, and you know, and uh, you know, I, I don't know where in sequence they recorded this, but this might have just been like, this is the last one, and it's like, you know, they recorded it and walked out of the out of the recording studio and didn't talk for six months you know it's whatever you know right <laughs> you know like this is and, and i don't mean that like they were angry but they just were like okay we're, we're done like this is done but again that's just that's just me hypothetically thinking you know this is of course ironically because it's how the record ends but it's just yeah great song So I'll just say while you're doing that, it's only bongos and stuff right now. Mm-hmm. You don't get a full drum set to almost six minutes in. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> pause it right here but this is kind of as things are, are building a little bit here um but one of the uh one of the, one of the lines there that i really loved is everyone drowns he repeats it three or four times it's... <laughs> i like the guitar part too like uh, not so much the quirky um you know sitar sounding guitar but i like that mm-hmm. it's that it just kind of reminds me of the cure a little or like mm-hmm. uh you know love and rockets like you said earlier just that eight uh, like late 80s chorus like, and the reverb yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it it really it's funny because it's the song doesn't seem like it has a ton of melody but like that mm-hmm. guitar part just, just stopped me listening to it i was like wow that sounds like the cure like you know yeah. 
or 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 druggy um druggy beetles ears yes yes <laughs> Right there is the drums come in. Like it, everything goes really weird. Um, like they take out like the bass and and a lot of the treble, so it's just mids. Like so, you you sound it sounds like you're listening to it like in a tin can or something like that. You know, crazy. And over about the next minute, things kind of return to normal. Um, let me speed up a little bit. <laughs> Whose vocals do you I, think are those? I love them. I don't know what it I have no clue. It's almost like they're wailing. Like. Like, I know. Think about it. I mean, ugh. yeah, uh, that song is so good, and it's—I guess it enca- encapsulates the whole record as well. You know, if you think about right. it too, mm-hmm. like it's, and you know they've they've always, you know, you've always kind of read. I think you read it earlier too, but I I did read this. It's like you can hear the band breaking up on the records, <laughs> written, and it's like, and not saying that song in particular. But it's like you can just tell there's 
just so much going on. Like, yeah. you know, man, this is so cool to listen to this again. It's been so long and it's like, whoa, this is so good. The lyrics are sun stoned until it's drowned down. Sun drowns deep down in the flood. Feel the flood fall in. Sun blown so far away. Sun shone the face of the flood. Feel the flood fall in. Sun stoned. Everyone drowns. Mine says everyone dies. Mine too, but he doesn't say that, so I changed it. Ah. Yeah. These sound like Lassie Foundation lyrics. Yeah, I could see that. Interesting. Yeah. I think even the background vocals early in the song sound like Wayne singing. Like, Mm -hmm. just that that high harmony. So there is someone else singing on this song. Yeah. Oh, just a vocal by extra oh, vocal. Andy. By oh, so it's Andy. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He he is the main singer on oh, this, on this one, like okay. on the song. Yeah, when you listen to it, now that you say that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I remember listening in the car and uh, earlier this week, and I was like, I don't think that's Tim. And then I checked, and yeah, it's actually Andy singing. <laughs> they've said recently when they've done the song live, Tim does sing it, but it's actually Andy on. on wow. This, so. Okay. Interesting. That's cool. Well, what do you guys think overall? Not that we haven't talked um, about it a ton. Man, I I think this album is great. Like, I just it's such a good album. It like I don't know. It it Yeah, everything is great. I I mean, there I have a few little nitpicky things. I don't think it's like perfect or anything, but like it is such a good album. We haven't talked about this yet, but I even think the cover art is nice. Yeah, like, I think right. it actually kind of reflects the sound. Totally. Like, I just think it all works yeah. really well. I mean, I think that I'm looking at the cover art now on your screen clip, and I'm like, I think I like, uh, okay, it is very 90s ish, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like, well, I think it holds up like, not pretty all of it. well. Like, the font is, is pretty 90s ish, but I think the rest of it's. Yeah, the rest yeah. of it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Those I'm, are like forks on the bottom or something, I think. Yeah. Like, Plastic up close. Forks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like I said earlier, this is a gateway record for me. And if this record doesn't exist, then, you know, all these other bands that I love now are not in my life. And, you know, I, man, I think it's a masterpiece. And I say that, you know, I don't say that very often, but I say that because I think for the select few that got it, you know, this is a transatlanticism this is a you know one of those records you know uh diary uh or how it feels to be something on yeah yeah, you know this is in the christian rock world this is like upper echelon you know Mm -hmm. you know on on um rushmore of 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 records like that (laughs) like it's just it's just so innovative at the time and it's mysterious you know and you know, I think that's what I love about it. And and again, it just brings me back listening to this with you guys. It just brings me back to being 17, sitting on my bed, listening to this record and looking at the liner notes. You know, mm-hmm. I just think about that. And then my buddies and I just getting obsessed with it and driving, you know, a couple hours to go see them. And it's just like floods these memories. So like, you know, I definitely have a, uh, a a kinship with it, you know, and it's to me, and it's in my top 10 records of all time for sure, just because of what it meant to me and what it still means to me. You know, I just, man, I'm, I'm just, whew, 
Yeah. I mean, there's definitely <laughs> things that could obviously be changed about it, but it's sure. like, I, you know, we mentioned earlier real quick, I just wanted to briefly say, like, the couple of the songs that they left off, you know, I, I don't know if it would have changed the record per se, but, I, you know, that song Chalk and Loverboy, those are great songs and they're more hooky, but it's like, I guess now that we've listened to this again, it's like, I don't know if I want those on there, even though I love those <laughs> songs, you know, like, yeah. I like how the book ends of the record, you know, like, yeah, yes, you know, yeah, it starts with hum. It ends with sunstone, like it both fit really nicely. Yeah. You need that for the album artwork, the insert, like what's behind the CD, they were, they were, they were clear, you know, CD holder thing. And then there's this picture of like, Alien eyes at the bottom. It says, "See you soon." It's. I used to have that shirt. They they had a shirt with with that alien. Yeah, (laughs) it was a ringer shirt, like with a ring around the sides and yeah. Very nice. Well, Jay, you want to tell us where these guys are now? The Perjain broke up in 1995. Technically, their last show was on December 20th, 1995, and they they that show was recorded and those songs along with the new songs that the Perjain recorded for Mercury. And with those that got dropped <laughs> that were supposed to be on this album and were put on, you know, all got released as Antarctica in 1996. And the Pro is reunited for a few reunion shows over the years. Just according to Wikipedia, it says after disbanding, the band performed at a reunion show in Chicago in 98, the Gene Eugene tribute show in 2000, some local California shows, 2003 re- reunion shows at Cornerstone Festival and the Flevo Festival in the Netherlands. And then in 2018, the band did two reunion shows to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Shawl. And I'm going to stop right now and say, I would love for them to do reunion shows for Mercury. They got a year to plan it. Please. Yes. If you want to do 30th anniversary next year, oh my God, I will be there. And here's my request even more. I'm going to go out and say like the same tour Jeremy saw. Why not recreate that? Let's have Prayer Chain, (laughs) Starflyer 59, and luxury yeah in fact Ooh. they could all play like their 95 albums luxury plays amazing and thank you starfly 59 plays gold and they play this mm. oh my god <laughs> like yeah i'm there in a heartbeat wherever it is i'll be there like that would be amazing i have that poster too i mean yeah you i think you sent a photo of it it's yeah. like it's amazing like yeah. what a lineup and all three i mean all three of these bands, well, Prayer Chain doesn't really exist anymore, but they get back together for this. All three of these bands like could do this. Like, totally. You know? It would be They could do amazing. a Nashville and an LA show easily. Oh my yeah. God, please, please, please. But anyway, getting back to the Prayer Chain, what happened afterwards? So all of them have gone on to do multiple projects. And some of this I'm taking from an old Prayer Chain website called Psychoflange and the Prayer Chain Wiki. We'll put links to it. But According to this, Tim Tabor, so he ran Floodgate Records um, and something called Transparent Artist Management. Yep. And according to his LinkedIn, he's also a partner at Dick Church's Restaurant in Costa Mesa, California, yeah. and is a partner at the Goodness Agency, which, according to their sites, it says, we connect causes to leaders and their audiences to create the lasting impact of goodness. Andy Prickett went on to play with the Violet Burning, Cush, and Starflyer 59, he ran Northern Records, did a lot of production work, including Sometimes Sunday, Bloomsday, The Autumns, Kevin Max of DC Talk, and even One Republic, actually. And he's still got a website up at, that is andyprickett.com. 
Eric Campuzano played in Cush Charity Impressa, which is his drones project, and he just put out a new album in 2023 uh, with that. And the Lassie Foundation, and he also ran Northern Records with Andy Prickett. And then Wayne Everett played with Starfly 59 on Americana. We talked about that earlier. He did the Lassie Foundation. He's put out two solo albums. Uh, he's also worked as a substitute teacher and now does creative direction and copywriting. So um, lots of history, lots of stuff with all those guys. They've done lots of other bands that I encourage everyone to check out. So good. Very cool. All right, Jeremy. Well, thank you for joining us for this very special episode yes, of Adoring This Album. <laughs> yes, man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. It's, I'm really honored. Uh, really, list, I've listened to your podcast in the past. So uh, when you guys messaged me, I thought it was really cool. And again, I'm really honored. And, and Jeremy, if people want to hear your podcast, The Rumors Are True, what do they need to do to listen yeah, to that? Where can they find you? Great question. I'm, I'm usually on just on Facebook and Instagram. I'm super... I don't have time for anything else, but uh, it's uh, at the rumors are true cast. Um, I also have a, um, what am I thinking? Oh, uh, I'm thinking of link tree, but that, that link is on the, on the Instagram and the Facebook. And I generally, you know, try to, <laughs> I feel bad. Sometimes I feel like I spam too much, but I just really want people to listen to people's stories. And that's kind of why I kind of do what I do. It's not about me. Like trying to say, oh, look what I did. It's just, hey, guys, you like, you know, this band, you're probably going to like this conversation, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. So Facebook, Instagram's the main way to do it. Um, I have an email address. Uh, the rumors are true cast at gmail.com. If you'd like to email me and tell me my show sucks or whatever, it's fun. <laughs> so, but anyway, no, I've had nothing but great things people have been so kind and, and really cool so I'm, I'm really thankful for it cool great man well thanks so much for joining us this was really fun really happy to do this album and um yeah happy you're here awesome thank you guys you roll Jay, what are we doing for our next episode? <laughs> Jeff Moore and the Distance, 1993, their album Evolution. Yeah. Maybe. <sighs> we're going to try. Maybe. No, we're, we got to commit to it. We got We have tried to do Jeff Moore we're, episodes in the past. We're going to do it, y'all. We're just, you know pray for us <laughs> Clifton and I are gonna like we're gonna yeah we're gonna brave it <laughs> we'll have it recorded before this even comes out so it won't even matter whatever alright we'll do it but yeah so we're gonna do yeah Evolution their 1993 album I I'll, I'll save my stories for the for the for the actual podcast cause okay whew man young Clifton alright <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for joining us for another episode of Your Music Saved Us. If you enjoyed your time with us, please leave us a review or share this episode. Visit patreon.com slash YMSU to contribute and get extended episodes. Visit our website, yourmusicsavedus.com, to find out all the ways to listen. We're on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Join our Facebook group or follow us to keep up with the latest or interact with us. Send complaints and disagreements to yourmusicsavedus at gmail.com. The music in this episode is the work of the artist The Prayer Chain and is used with apologies and not permission. And The Prayer Chain does have a pretty good band camp with lots of their stuff to purchase, so mm-hmm. please go check it out. Yeah. Including that Mercury, what, what's, the, what's the thing that didn't become, uh, that kind of became Antarctica? It's, yeah, it's kind of cool. So they, they if you go to theprayerchain.bandcamp.com, the album on there listed as Communion is Mercury as it was recorded, like oh, meant to be. Interesting. Kind of thing. So the songs are a little bit, even some of them are a little bit different order, and then it's got some extra songs. And then Mercurius is on there as well. Yeah, and then Mercurius is like, like all the extra stuff. Mm-hmm. So like all the stuff that didn't end up, Lover Boy, Friend or Foe, some of these songs that never ended up on stuff. Um, is there and you can also check out Antarctica which was like some of the extra songs plus some live stuff um, yeah they have so. like live 25th anniversary um, concert for Shaw yeah there's a, actually quite a it's kind of cool like as a music fan they did a good job there's a mm-hmm. bunch of cool stuff like on there um, and so close yet so far I know there's a bunch of early demos of songs and stuff like really early versions of some of these songs we covered tonight and stuff so like again like you know, it's kind of cool. I like. We wish all bands would put up all this stuff <laughs> online. Like, it's fun. Yeah. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody for joining us. Bye. Yep. Thanks everybody. Bye.